And we're back with another episode of Underrated. I'm Lefty. And I'm Bo. How are you doing today, Bo? Hey, I'm doing all right. The uh, Lots of happenings in the world. Yeah, you know, we're fresh off just, uh, you know, maybe an hour ago. Uh, the U.S. officially qualifying for uh, the next Women's World Cup. Uh, with, their, with their victory over Jamaica, they just clinched that uh that qualification definitely we uh we also uh, just uh the nhl's uh first round of uh their draft um just concluded uh, a little bit ago so um, we have that going on too but you know any, any surprises in that draft that you picked up on you know i've uh, i haven't gotten a chance to really dive into it i had it on in the background a little bit earlier but uh, I'm sure we'll dissect that in a future episode. My 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 brain's just been running wild. I gotta be honest here. I mean, I'm trying to process what the fuck is happening in college football right now. Lefty. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, I, the, the the Big Ten now is a coast to coast conference, <laughs> stretching so, from know, uh, you know Rutgers and, and Maryland all the way to SoCal. I mean, this is the craziest thing you know, that I've seen happen here. I mean, so last week we see a realignment, you know, USC, UCLA, they leave the Pac-12, they join the Big Ten. Huge for the schools, of course, but, you know, the big winner is the Big Ten, getting their yeah. foot into that uh, that lucrative LA market, which they've always wanted to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's that. A, you know, it'll be a really interesting thing uh, in which the, uh, the treat of, you know, being the best team in the Big Ten is no longer, uh, you know, playing in Pasadena. <laughs> right. they, can just, they can just do that already. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there's that. And then earlier today, I don't know if you saw this, sources are saying that Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and Virginia are all negotiating to join the SEC. And on top of that, ESPN's supposedly trying to void their TV deal with the ACC. I, yeah, I that's... Yeah, that's kind of remarkable. Yeah, it's it, uh, it's massive shifts, and you know, it's hard to think that uh, you know a couple of those smaller schools, especially in the ACC, the the Wake Forests of the world, are, are going to survive this. Oh my gosh! I mean, are so we're looking at a well, now it's just a, it's just a power two, right? Like it's just a power two in college football, the, well, the Big Ten and the SEC, right? Well, you know, the Big Twelve. I think they were trying to poach the remaining or at least the, the powerhouses left in uh, the yeah. Pac-12. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I would think that the, the, the largest remaining schools in the, you know, on the West Coast, the Oregons of the world, will join the Big Ten, but uh, it's hard to say if that will actually happen. You know, the Big right. 12 wants them, but I think that it's probably a better move for them competitively. And also for, you know, UCLA and USC if they join the Big Ten. But uh, that's not something I've, I've seen actually talked about legitimately. That's just my own that, internal yeah. speculation. Right. So, you know, uh, today we've reached a milestone. We have the Big Ten and the SEC with like 20 freaking programs in each of them, folks. So, um, you know, that's happening. But, uh, you know, in other news, the Las Vegas Raiders have hired Sandra Douglas Morgan. She'll be the first black woman to serve as a team president in their history. And, you know, unfortunately, only the third black person to become president of an NFL team ever. But, um, yeah, she's an attorney. She's also served as a chairwoman and uh, executive director of the Nevada Gaming Control Board, uh, where she was also the first person to call her to hold that position. You know, and I, I want to say, you know, obviously I think this is great. And um, say what you want about owner Mark Davis. I mean, man has billions of dollars and still leaves the barbershop looking like someone from fucking middle earth. I mean, it's shocking when I see him <laughs> on camera, it's disturbing, but you know, with that being said, you know, if you look at historically within the Raiders organization, you know, former Raiders coach, Tom Flores was the second Hispanic coach to win a super bowl title. Uh, former coach art shell was the first black head coach, uh, you know, of the NFL super bowl era. So, I mean, there is history within the organization. It's, it's, it's not that much history, unfortunately. That's where we're at. But, uh, you know, uh, unlike so many of the hiring, uh, uh, you know, so many other organizations, uh, you know, in the league, you know, um, 
hiring the best person for the job seems to be happening here for the Raiders. So, Lefty, you think we're going to see more of, the, more of this in years to come, or is it going to take the extinction of an entire generation of, you know, the Jerry Joneses to see anything happen? Well, I, th- I think the answer is both, um, because that extinction is not too far away. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. That's, um, yeah. But you know it is it is interesting the the Raiders move because I believe that uh, Ventrell is now claiming that he got fired out of retaliation for bringing up that it was a hostile workplace. Sure. So, um, not to diminish you know the accomplishments of the new president, but yeah, they might need a lawyer. Right. <laughs> I second that. Um, you know it can't be a it can't be an underrated episode without me mentioning something that has to do with the Cleveland Browns for some reason. The, the yeah, Baker, yeah. The Baker just, Mayfield, the Baker yeah. Mayfield saga may have come to an end finally. Jesus. Yes, he, he's heading to to the Panthers. Um, to the Panthers, their week one opponent. <laughs> <laughs> their week one opponent. Uh, so again, you know, um, uh, half of this, half of this whole debacle that is Cleveland has, uh, it seems like it has come to an end. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see more to come on that. Um, Kevin Durant. Brooklyn Nets has requested a trade out of Brooklyn. This this team has fallen apart quickly. My God. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's it's the more we think about it, the more remarkable it is that the Warriors were able to hang on and you know continue their dynasty after he left. Because uh, it seems yeah. like uh, he's kind of left a trail of uh, of issues wherever he's gone. Right. You know, and the NBA is in this. Uh... A pattern of wanting to put together a, a big three on every team right yeah but yeah. you know and it, it just seems like um you know it, it it tends not to always work you know with this uh kevin durant james harden um kyrie irving situation i mean it just seemed like everything uh worked against them you know from kevin durant's injury uh, missing time, uh, Kyrie Irving and his uh, vaccination process, and James Harden constantly bitching or doing something to piss everyone off or, or not doing something. Who the hell knows? So, um, yeah, well, uh, there's been a plethora of, uh, you know, potential trade destinations for Kevin Durant. I've seen a ton of them. They all look like complete asinine bullshit to me. <laughs> Did you like, say? Did you say? Wait, wait. Did you say the Bulls? No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. There you go. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. You know, I'm not a huge uh, NBA fan, but uh, I am very familiar with uh, Bulls owner Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, and there's <laughs> there's absolutely no way he's going to go after a top level talent. No. 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 Because that would uh, cost that cost money, and uh, that would cost money. And uh, you know, he's got to continue to. Uh, increase that net worth as he uh, approaches uh, <laughs> the next life. Jesus. What a, what a shame here. Uh, yeah, so uh, again, today we're going to cover uh, a couple players that uh, you know are up for discussion. Are they underrated or are they not? Lefty, I'm going to defer to you to start this party. Um, what you got, man? Yeah, totally. You know, as I mentioned, the U.S. just qualified for, you know, another Women's World Cup. Uh, They're coming off victory in 2019. Look to repeat again. They're the number one team in the world. Um, You know, currently it's the CONCACAF Women's Championship, which is the qualifying for both the uh, FIFA World Cup and the uh, the next Olympics. Um, So, you know, they're they're the U.S. is following their bid to uh, qualify for that next World Cup and their next uh the next summer olympics uh but it's not the only major tournament happening in the world in women's soccer uh it's currently the uh uefa women's euro um so in the spirit of these major events i want to talk about a player who is currently playing in that women's Euro tournament i don't know if you're following that at all do you have any any favorites there I know you're not a huge. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. I know you're not. No, no, uh, no, you're no. Not a this soccer is, fan. This is uh, this is why we've uh, this is why we bring these topics up. No, I don't have any favorites, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe this discussion uh, changes that. Well, you know, um, it's it's a wide open field right now. Uh, Spain was the the odds on favorite, uh, but uh, 
their top player, Alexia Puteas, uh, just tore her ACL just just mm. the day before the tournament started. Oh. So that that really throws a wrench in things. But uh, I digress. Uh, right. You know, aside from from that uh, super unfortunate injury, um, you know, the women's zero is uh, you know a tournament in which some of the best players in the world will be on display, and among them will be a center back from the French territory of Martinique, who is only 31 years old and will be making her 132nd cap for the French national team. For over a decade, Wendy Renard has been a cornerstone of the French defense and arguably among the best defensive players in the history of women's soccer and probably soccer in general. She burst onto the scene at only 16 years old professionally. She's been a fixture at Lyon for nearly two decades. Appearing in the starting 11 since the 2007-2008 season when she was only 17, she's helped Lyon reach an unprecedented level of dominance in club soccer that is probably only rivaled by the dynasty that Celtic has in the Scottish Premiership and Bayern Munich has in the German Bundesliga. Uh, Lyon with Renard have captured 14 consecutive league titles in France, as well as five consecutive UEFA Champions League titles and eight of the past 10 Champions League titles. Um, they they did lose that that uh, French title this past season, but they did win 14 consecutive, which is just uh, unheard of in professional sports. Wow. You know, not super related to to the discussion about Renard, but you know, Lyon is kind of held as the you know the the top team um, in women's soccer in terms of how that should be modeled in terms of investment they actually sure. they actually own um you know the ol reign here in the nwsl um as kind of more or less a feeder team of sorts but uh you know just to get it get their foothold here in the united states but uh sure. you know so they've won 14 consecutive league titles in france five consecutive uefa champions league titles and eight of the last 10 um just a few months back renard helped her team to that fifth consecutive Champions League title over favorites Barcelona. And in that run, appeared in her 100th Champions League match, a feat that no other woman has accomplished and a record that she will undoubtedly extend because she's only 31 years old. So despite playing center back, uh, you know, highly defensive position, not a lot of scoring. She's also scored over 30 goals for Lyon, for Lyon in Champions League play, putting her in the top 15 all-time in that tournament from, from that defensive position. So, you know, despite playing in such a quiet position and scoring comparatively few goals next to the forwards and midfielders she's been surrounded by, she's been selected for the Women's World 11 of the Year team Ooh. every year since its inception. So for six consecutive teams she's been among the best you know she's been the best center back in the world um no other player has made every team no other player has made more than four and she's made every everyone since the inception of that award um aside from that uh renard has also made the top 10 for uefa women's player of the year a record seven times an international play renard again at center back a defensive position She's seventh all-time scoring for France. Yeah. Um, in 2018 and 2019, the first two years of the women's iteration of the award, Renard has ranked as the highest central defender um, in the Ballon d'Or voting. Um, you know, the award for the best the best player in soccer. For sure. Uh, you know, she's been the most consistent player in the world for 15 years. And she's been the captain of Lyon, you know, for the past nine seasons. And that quiet dominance has translated into success for club and country that will likely extend um, for many years to come. I believe she just signed an extension for another four years with Lyon. Um, and again, she's only 31. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of life left. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, she scored a significant amount for her position. Um, and, you know, much like other sports that you're probably a little more familiar with, defensive players just don't get the headlines. Nobody's Absolutely talking not. about the best defensive hockey players or the, the no. you know, nobody's talking about the, the best D linemen in football. Uh, For sure. But, uh, you know, despite having been one of the best players in the modern game and helping mold this currently owned dynasty, 
Renard is relatively unknown outside of Europe and even within Europe doesn't really rank among the top names like, you know, Pateus, who I mentioned earlier, or, you know, former Ballon d'Or winner Ada Hegerberg. Um, you know, after a decade and a half of sustained success, redefining that central defense position, um, there's only one real question left to ask. Is Wendy Renard underrated? Well, I got to say, Lefty, um, you know, for the fair weather, you know, soccer fan, obviously, um, jumping into women's soccer is, you know, is, is, is a step deeper. Um, I feel like plen- players like, you know, uh, Wendy Renard, um, who have, you know, numerous accolades. And if you read anything about her, um, is not only is it considered an exceptional player, but it's, uh, she's a player that can't even be categorized, right? Um, because she's so unique and what she does on the field is, uh, you know, it brings such an impact to the organization. It, it, it's, it's not something you can categorize, you yeah, know, obviously, yeah. um, in the U S you know, um, soccer is, is still growing constantly. And, uh, you know, uh, the following is, 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 is still growing as we speak. Um, and we're seeing an influx of players. I personally, I'll throw this your way. You know, I know we're seeing the MLS, obviously we were North America's, you know, um, you know, hosting some, some, some big games coming up here soon, but, uh, you know, what what would it take to see you know a, a women's league you know become something here in the states? You know the uh, the current league the the National Women's Soccer League the NWSL is um, they're trying they've had their issues obviously uh, just with you know leadership as all leagues do um, some issues in that regard but there's all kinds of uh, money being dumped into that you know uh, group of famous women uh you know natalie portman and a few others just started a team in los angeles um there are some other celebrities i believe trying to start another team trying to expand that league um i'm not certain exactly what viewership looks like of nwsl right now um just uh just because they're kind of under a in my opinion poor poor tv deal you can watch most games only on paramount plus and this is a personal grudge but i think that is the worst viewing platform around (laughs) (laughs) yeah that might be the worst the worst app ever um to watch something on but i digress there um but no women women's soccer is probably the most popular soccer in the u.s at the moment obviously there's incredible you know viewership and attendance in the nw in mls but in terms of women's soccer it's a pretty rabid fan base and you know it's on the back of sustained success uh at the international level um so you know it's definitely growing it's it's arguable that the level of play is equal to that um in the women's soccer league in um the uk or you know at least on that champion you know uefa champions league level but um you know the best players in the world are are also coming to the u.s um maybe not all of the best players but it's not uh there's not such a huge divide the way there is in men's soccer between say the mls and any european league whether that be the right. you know german bundesliga the premier league um you know for sure all, all yeah of she's league. she's i mean she's 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 one of the most decorated players and you know modern women's you know um club soccer obviously i mean she's She's won 14 French league titles. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, and eight, like I said, she European just cups. <laughs> she just signed a deal that will keep her on Lyon for another four years, which will you know put her with the team for two decades, and at the end of that, will only be 35. Right. And for the non-soccer fans like myself, I mean, Lyon is essentially the uh, the Yankees, uh, you know, in a sense of, of the Euro- European Women's Football League. You know. Yeah, um, absolutely. The, yeah, and and she is. Uh, She's an institution at Leon, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think Wendy Renard. Um, we are going to have many years 
I mean, obviously, her youth career started back in the late 90s, um, as so many players do. So it feels like an entire lifetime has been, you know, in, in front of the public eye. But we still have many years ahead of us. Who knows what the future holds? But um, I believe Wendy Renard is underrated. And that's because, you know, European women's football is underrated, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and it's, uh, it's across the board. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think, like I said, like I touched upon earlier, um, you know, her recognition in Europe is not what I believe it should be. I think that, you know, diehard fans, diehard, you know, followers of uh, European women's soccer, you know, obviously know who she is um, and respect the 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 career that that she's had. And, you know, she could walk away at 31 and be the best player to ever play the position. Uh, But again, still has at least half a decade left. Uh, barring any, you know, significant injury. But, uh, you know, women's soccer in Europe has exploded in the last couple of years. I don't know how much you follow it, but uh, just yesterday in the first game of the the Euros, um, they set an attendance record. Uh, I believe it was over 65,000 fans, which had just been set uh, in Barcelona just a few months before. So, you know, they're, they're drawing, you know, more fans than most American sports. Uh, you know, they, they packed in 65,000 fans to a women's soccer game during COVID in London um, on a weekday. Um, Incredible. And that's, you know, just a remarkable feat that people want to go to these games. Um, they want to watch the best players in the world play. And, right. you know, it seems like with this, in, you know, recent investments, uh, that's something that more, more people who, you know, have always had an interest, but maybe not, uh, you know, wanted to, or had the ability to, uh, you know, put forth the effort needed to be a fan. Like there are a lot of hoops you had to jump through in the past, but, but now it, it's becoming easier to, to root for a team because they're on TV, they're in your city. Um, right, right. I mean, you know, I think at this point with, you know, um, for, you know, Wendy Renard, you know, with Leon, all, all she can do is extend the records, um, she and they already hold and just you know build it up i mean it's i i mean france on the other hand i i believe they're yet to reach a major final this despite having a ton of of talent but um you know uh i i think that's she's she's proved so much already i mean she will most likely go down as uh the the best ever and you know and at her position and uh you know you know that's what what she can do like you said she can walk away right now and and, and have all those accolades and uh her name will be uh will be written in stone yeah yeah and i i think that uh you know it's not out of the the realm of possibility that uh you know in 10 or 15 years she's regarded as not just the best you know center back ever the best defensive player ever but just the best to play the game on the women's side of the ball um definitely because uh you know just how much she's accomplished how much she's changed that position and how much she's uh you know just grown the sport as a whole right yeah so you know uh we've got some more euros to cover they just started yesterday or so uh, yesterday, the day before, uh, Concacaf is just at the beginning, uh, so there's a lot more games to to, to catch in the coming weeks. Uh, Definitely, you're gonna and, uh, you're gonna try to watch France. <laughs> well, I think I am now. Absolutely, I uh, you know I've I've always thoroughly enjoyed you know Premier League play, and uh, I've I've caught on more with the MLS as as the years go by and as there's more exposure. Um, and again, it's uh, you know, I, I just love the energy of the game, um, obviously, and I love comparing it, you know, with a sport like American football or baseball. Um, we don't really have a, a lot to compare it to, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, overseas, as, as far as that goes. Uh, but uh, I would love to see that type of European energy. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm here in the U.S. That's, yeah. uh, well, that's and, my main takeaway. You know, as a, as a more casual fan, as you said, I think personally one of the best places to learn the game of, of football, game of soccer, is in European play, whether that be, you know, you know, men's or women's. But uh, I, 
because we, you know, as casual fans, we're not as familiar with all of the players, the teams, there's no vested interest there. It's so much easier to step back and look at things tactically um, and see what good play is, what bad play is, and really learn the fundamentals of the game as a fan in a way that you can't, can't really do when you have a vested interest in, you know, players or teams. Um, That's how I got into soccer was in 2018, watching the, the women's world cup and just, learning things tactically um and you know been a huge fan since then just jumped over to to men's soccer in the past year or so but uh yeah it's watching european football is a a great way to learn about the game in a way that uh you know won't uh impact your ability to be a nationalist (laughs) right right absolutely well i'm uh i'm all for it man and uh well we'll definitely be tuning into the upcoming games so uh there'll be uh more coverage as we go on yeah totally uh we're gonna take a we take a brief break here we decided that uh you know wendy is underrated uh we'll be right back with uh, another another story and another question oh yeah and we're back thanks All for right. sticking with us through that little break uh is there somebody you wanted to touch upon bo yeah absolutely you know I know we touched on another former MLB player, Kenny Lofton, in uh, an earlier episode. And I got on this kick, you know, you, you go down this rabbit hole, and I just this one kind of you know took me by surprise a little bit. You know, I, I've expressed my grievances with how the Hall of Fame has just snubbed players based on you know generational tiers they've set, but. We're not just here to talk about potential Hall of Famers. We're here to talk about underrated players. This could be anybody, you know? So today we're going to talk about a former third baseman. Played for six teams over nearly two decades. Uh, World Series champion, ALCS MVP, four-time Gold Glover, Silver Slugger Award winner, two-time All-Star. And any, any thoughts on who this might be, Lefty? Ah, uh, you know that that could be a lot of people. I know. Yeah, you're, we're we're casting a wide net with that <laughs> explanation there. You know, so I'm, I'm not all that familiar with every ALCS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, wow. Yeah, no. Uh, let's talk about former MLB player and National Italian American Sports Hall of Fame member Gary Joseph Gaetti. Wow, it's a deep cut here. <laughs> Thought you might like that. So. You know, Gaetti played from uh, 1981 through 2000, right? Uh, his prime years being the 1980s with the Twins. You know, we've we've talked about players being snubbed in the past. We've talked about players who, uh, you know, have fallen under an umbrella of, uh, you know, say a Mitchell report or something else of, you know, that sort. Um, Gary Gaetti is, is no different, you know, um, he flourished during the 80s. And if you know anything about the 80s, the 80s was a decade of the third baseman. You know, only uh, uh, a few names to throw out here. George Brett, uh, Paul Molitor, and, and Wade Boggs. Those are uh, 3,000 hit club members. They all played during the 80s, you know. And although Gaetti didn't reach the heights um, that his, uh, you know, Cooperstown uh, peers attained. He was superior defensively and sometimes even, you know, in the power department. So, um, you know, Molitor was a guy who was noted for his speed. Um, George Brett always hit for high average, but modest power. Uh, Gaetti hit 360 career home runs. Uh, that's better than Brett's 317. It's better than Molitor's 234. And, you know, Boggs only had 118 homers. Um, and like I said earlier, he also won four gloves to, uh, Wade Boggs two, um, George Brett's one and, uh, Paul Molitor never even won one, but, uh, let's just jump in and talk a little bit about Gaetti, you know, first round draft pick with the twins in 1979. Um, you know, by 82, he was the everyday third baseman. Uh, a lot of young players on those teams. Uh, he had a good rookie season, 25 homers, 84 RBIs, but, uh, you know, lost out on Rookie of the Year to some guy named Cal Ripken. 
uh you just, know just uh, missed it there just missed it there right <laughs> but uh he did lead the nl in sacrifice flies as a rookie i did want to point out small ball small ball right that's what <laughs> uh his uh, his runs scored and uh, base hits totals, you know, went up in '83. Um, he and George Brett were the only two AL third basemen to post 30 doubles and uh, 20 homers. Uh, but uh, you know, '84 was a, a rough uh, year for him as far as power goes. Um, you know, he did lead the AL in games played, but uh, he uh, he failed to reach a dozen long balls. So power comes back in '85. He has a breakout year in '86. You know, he leads the American League third baseman in homers. Uh, he had 34 homers and 108 RBIs. And, uh, you know, he was the uh, he was uh, the only third baseman to slug over 500. So, um, you know, 87, he's got his World Series victory, right? He, he led all AL third basemen. And uh, with uh, 109 RBIs, he, you know, he... Uh, Carried a hot bat into the postseason in the ALCS. He had a pair of homers. Uh, he had another home run in the World Series over the St. Louis Cardinals. It's painful, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, he uh, he got he finally got an All Star nod in '88 uh, when he led all third basemen and, and homers and RBIs. But um, he just wasn't a high average hitter like his Hall of Fame peers. I mean, he. He hit 300 for only one time in his career, and uh, you know uh, he never saw it again. Um, but the Gold Gloves were coming, Lefty. I mean, he won his fourth consecutive Gold Glove in in '89. Uh, the '90s, they they weren't all that great to Gary. You know, '90 uh, was a disastrous season. His 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 average plummeted at 229, uh, but. Uh, you know, he went and signed with the Angels, you know, and uh, still the West Coast wasn't that great. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he was released by them uh, in 93. Um, but uh, the Kansas City Royals decided to uh, take a chance on uh, on the veteran uh, nicknamed G-Man, you know, or, or the <laughs> rat, whichever one you like better. Right. He uh he hit 287 for the Royals during the uh, strike short 94 season. Then he had a power explosion in 95. Again, he led Major League third baseman in homers and RBIs in 1995. Um, you know, finally, with his career fully resurrected, it seemed, uh, he cashed in and signed with the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, uh, the 96 Redbirds, uh, you know, following their leader, Tony La Russa, made it to the postseason. <laughs> and uh, Gaetti hit 292 in the NLCS. Uh, you know, uh, we lost the Braves, but, um, you know, finally in 98, uh, he was released. Um, you know, he had one last hurrah with the Cubs. Uh, he still had some life left in him. Uh, he hit 320 with the Cubs, shockingly, at almost uh, age 40. And, uh, you know, had a few games with the Red Sox to end his career. But, you know, overall, Guidi played in over 2,500 games. You know, he, he had 360 home runs, 1,341 RBIs. You know, he, he ended his uh, career with a 7.71 ERA, might I add, with three appearances. <laughs> but he was a lifetime 255, uh, you know, uh, batter. Uh, now, I want to take a look at this career-wise. Career forty-two point one WAR. How does that, you know, compete as far as uh, you know other Hall of Fame members, Lefty? It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless that's uh, usually that's usually the that's usually the argument. What, least, do, what, least, what do we agree least, that the, uh, the the bar is? The the you know fast and loose cap is about sixty is where the cutoff has been among voters more or less. Uh, that's kind of where I put the bar is around that sixty war mark unless uh, you know you have some extenuating circumstances like your war is miscalculated due to you know 
uh, consistent low strikeout rates as a pitcher, but that's another episode. Uh, but yeah, for sure, for sure, Ruff, for roughly, sure. roughly that sixty mark. So you know, he he does fall well short of that. Uh, and you know, you brought up Wade Boggs. I believe Wade Boggs was over ninety, so he half half the production of of Wade Boggs. But still, that forty is nothing to scoff at. That right. is a, a mark that few few achieve. Um, and while I think that some of that comes from the fact that he was such an accumulator, you know, he played for a decade after his peak. Um, he still played that long and accumulated that much positive value despite a, a smattering of, of negative value years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, definitely a, a hall of very good player. Definitely. Definitely. Now, looking at this, hearing this fun little story, thinking about Gary Gaetti and all his glory, um, you know, uh, wearing that helmet with no with no ear flaps on the side, with that, uh, you know, rat tail hanging out the back, that flowing hair. The mustache. The mustache, <laughs> of course. Just a man who looks like he worked at your local deli and did not play third base and wasn't a four-time gold glover. Do we think Gary Gaetti is accurately rated, overrated, or underrated? You know, um, he, Gary doesn't doesn't fit in the conversations of, you know, uh, he's not brought up much in the conversations of, you know, even very good players. I think that he's of that era that, uh, you know, was overshadowed by the home run hitting steroid guys and is a little bit too old for the, uh, you know, the good old days of the 70s and and uh, how those players carried over. Um, so I think that uh, I think that he is underrated. I don't think that he's underrated by a whole lot, but I think right. and maybe underrated isn't the best word. Maybe he's just underappreciated. Maybe he's underappreciated. Properly- properly rated underappreciated <laughs> that's a that's a separate podcast folks stay tuned for that <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah you know he had a solid career um that's you know 40 war over 20 years or so um you know that that is right at replacement level but at the same time he had some some great years and he helped his team win um and that's about all you can you know, ask for from a player um not everyone can be a superstar um and championships are built on rosters full of players that are better than average. And he was better than average. And, uh, you know, he helped the Twins win. Um, it's another Definitely. conversation whether I, I know there were some some rumblings whether, uh, you know, Gaetti and uh, Kirby Puckett were the first steroid users. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, how much you've heard about that, but uh, I know there have I've, been uh, I've heard a little bit, yeah. I don't know how accurate that is. That's that's not something that's exactly on my radar, but uh, you know, it is a possibility. Um, I, and I, I just want to add that if they were using steroids, I think they were the uh, the guinea pigs, and whoever invented steroids looked at them and said, "We need to change something because these guys are grotesquely out of shape." Yeah, and then they then they uh, reformulated, restructured, and. Help popped Jose Canseco. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, the um, na- nightmare fuel. Jose Canseco <laughs> is the just is just is extreme nightmare fuel. <laughs> um, but but yeah, you know I think like I said, um, maybe a bit underrated, definitely underappreciated, uh, definitely contributed to you know championships in Minnesota, um, and then you know had another on and off again uh you know the next decade really uh he had some good years and some not great years but uh right, exactly. but definitely uh definitely contributed to a handful of teams over the years absolutely i love it man we uh, we went deep on that one i'm just well, uh, one thing while deep. yeah while we're on the subject before you know Gaetti's signing after drafting did you know that he was signed he was drafted originally by the white Sox and and the cardinals yes yeah he's actually uh you know he's actually a uh a local in the st louis area he's from centralia illinois i believe um and uh 
uh, I believe attended college locally and, and you know the near St. Louis metro area. So yeah, Gaetti, uh, it was a big deal when he was with the Cardinals. Uh, he was uh, coming home. He was, it was it was a homecoming. It was uh, you know he saw a resurgence in KC and it was like all right, you know he can literally leave the stadium and drive to his hometown if he wants to. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean you can only take so much Tony Larusa. So uh, I, I think TLR defeated him, not H. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just pulling up some stuff about him, and apparently, you know, famed uh, saber metricism, metra, metra. I, I don't know what's the word for someone who uh, <laughs> who practices saber metrics. Met- sure. <laughs> um, Bill James uh, has has highlighted Gaetti as being unnatural in his decline. Uh, yeah. um, because his walk rate never improved, but his <laughs> actual rate of productivity was exceptionally slow. Um, so uh, that's, that, that's, uh, maybe, maybe the, the performance enhancing substances did have, have a role there. Um, sure. but, uh, you know, he was a little before my time, so I'm not all that familiar. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I mean, it's just like, you know, we, we have, you have a lot of athletes out there. And if you take a look at Gaiety specifically, you know, I mentioned it, you know, in the conversation earlier. I mean, at age 36, he saw a complete resurgence, you know, in, 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 in his career, all of a sudden offensively. I mean, he hit 35 homers and 96 RBIs, and he won a Silver Slugger award at age 36. Yeah, you know? yeah. The, the late <laughs> 90s uh, had some happenings. So maybe if he didn't uh, experiment with substances earlier with Puckett and Minnesota, maybe he did find them in Kansas City. But again, sure. I, either way. It, it's not that big of a deal on my end. I'm right. not too concerned. Yeah. It's not a negative. It's not a value judgment. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, great conversation on Gary Gaetti. It's a name you don't hear out there. Um, make sure to let us know who your favorite uh, underrated uh, athletes are and uh, give us some uh, some topic fuel as well. Yeah, if there's anybody you'd like to see us talk about uh, – maybe maybe we'll, you'll see that name in the future uh hear that name in the future uh is there anything coming up in the uh in the sports world you're excited about bo yeah i uh you know it's uh oh, what are we about a week out or so but uh you know it's stuff we're geeking out over now mlb all-star futures game man you know yeah. it's uh that's an exciting thing for for you and i you know yeah, uh, i saw the rosters drop today so that's what I was going to ask. If you, you had a chance to check out the rosters, what uh, you know is there uh, is there anybody you're looking forward to really seeing? Yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting that uh, Jackson Turio um, was selected. Obviously, well deserving. He's just tearing it up. But mm-hmm. uh, I believe that he's the youngest player ever to be featured on a futures roster. Um, I'm still getting used to the new formatting. Um, you know, growing up uh, and until pretty recently, it was always, you know the u.s versus the world um but uh the new al nl format is interesting and i'm looking yeah. forward to to really uh really seeing that showcase um obviously there are always some questionable selections uh maybe not the most deserving names but the biggest hype names get selected sure but uh definitely a guy like churio at 18 is uh somebody worth worth paying attention to um, another another NL name that I'm interested in uh, is uh, Kyle Harrison, um, mm-hmm. pitcher for the Giants. Uh, somebody I've watched uh, multiple times pitch in the minors this year has just been utterly dominant, uh, at least in, in A ball that I've seen uh, in terms of strikeouts. Just just an insane strikeout rate. Um, he's sure. not he's not been super efficient, not been able to go very deep into games, but um, you know as a just overpoweringly dominant left-handed strike thrower who gets lots of K's um, I'm looking forward to seeing him and I think that he could be a he could be a guy uh, you know in San Francisco next season I think he just got promoted to double a about a month ago um, and if he keeps it up he could be a he could be a triple a by the end of the season and uh, you know in San Francisco in 2023 for sure yeah they um, you know uh, David Villar also for you know the Giants he was just uh, promoted this week uh, yeah, as well as uh 
good for Brian's uh, Boston's Brian Bello. He was promoted, I, I, so I'm sure they're they're going to be replaced in coming days, most likely. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, in the clubhouse too, Mike Sosha, <laughs> um, and and Jimmy Rollins. Well, one of those names I could see as a future coach. Uh, the other doesn't really fit with the whole idea of futures. But uh, it's you know, I'm just I, I just thought that was a very. Uh, uh, do you understand the process? Is this just random? Like, well, how how do they pick this candidate? Uh, you know, it's not something I've looked into very much, uh, and by that I mean it all. But uh, I do think that Rollins yeah. is an interesting name. Uh, you know, I'm not really considered him for coaching. He might be a coach at the moment. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, he was a productive player who. Uh, was kind of cutting edge at the time. Um, maybe another underrated player if you want to talk about right. it. Um, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I think that uh, he's probably a positive influence, uh, especially coming, you know, as somebody who was a top prospect who transitioned into being a, a real superstar and winner, you know, won a World Series there in Philly, right? Um, right. Early in his career. Um, you know, somebody that could be a good role model for players of that prospect caliber and in that kind of spotlight. Yeah. I, you know, I think, uh, you know, for somebody like, uh, you know, I'd love to see it. Obviously I, I don't want it, to, it sounds like a nightmare hearing Mike Socha's name just recycled again after all those years in, in LA. But, uh, yeah. Um, you know, you, you definitely touched on, uh, you know, some big name players, uh, obviously, uh, uh, being, um, being looked at in these games, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see uh, Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker. You know, the yeah, Cardinals yeah. have seen their uh, a plethora of young players get opportunities this year and perform at a high level. I am looking forward to seeing these very young players and uh, um, you know uh, what they can do. Yeah, and you know, I'm a huge fan of Wynn. Uh, I've liked what he's sure. doing. Um, little sad that. Uh, his pitching hasn't continued because I thought that would have been fun, but uh, right. he, he's been, you know, dominant. Uh, I have not followed him too much in his uh, call up to double a uh, probably not as good as it could have been, but he's still super young, 20 years old um, can definitely uh, has a lot of time to turn things around. Double a is a huge uh, transition. Uh, you know, it's uh, much, much more, you know, it's where the premier pitchers in the minor leagues go. Uh, so hitting there's, it's a, it's a much harder, more difficult hitting environment. So he's got lots of time to turn things around, but I think he's a, he's a great prospect. So definitely. So what I want to do here is I want to call out a couple big names from last year's futures game. And, uh, I just kind of want to get your take on how you're feeling about him at this point. All right. Totally. totally. So first name I'm going to throw out there, Spencer Torkelson. You know, uh, he's been bad, like overwhelmingly bad, like makes Jared Kelnick look uh, <laughs> like a solid player. I think he, I think uh, Torkelson has just been overmatched by uh, MLB pitching. He's limited in terms of defensive positioning, being a first baseman. Um, and if he can't, you know, hit well above league average, uh, he's just going to keep raking in the uh the negative production value definitely uh julio rodriguez obviously the uh the the favorite i think he was just named uh rookie of the month and al rookie of the week just yesterday um mm -hmm. ha has turned it on like just you know into another gear in the last month or so um has uh really overtaken the rest of the field um and is probably the AL Rookie of the Year. Um, it's, you know, a toss-up. Uh, Jeremy Pena is still producing very well, but he did miss sure. some time with an injury. But, uh, you know, Julio is definitely uh, among the most likely candidates for Rookie of the Year at the moment. Um, and he's definitely on a different plane than, than most other rookies and even most other major leaguers. Definitely. And, you know, uh, another, and again, if you haven't kept up with it, just let me know, but... Uh, uh, another big name last year was uh, Shane Baz, uh, the pitcher for the uh, the Rays. Um, I, I, I think he's uh, he's played in a few games this year. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's uh, he's 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 looked all right. I mean, he's got uh, um, I think made 
five appearances this year so far. I'm not sure if he was struggling with injuries, but, uh, you know, his name was at the top of the list as far as, uh, you know, it, it's always that, 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 that one stud pitcher for the, for the Rays. They, they have one every year, right? Exactly. Um, and you know, he's had a good season, but the, the real breakthrough rookie, I believe is he, is it McClanahan who's just having just a, yeah. a dominant season. Um, among the best pitchers in baseball at the moment. Um, Absolutely. Uh, another, another, another Rays name. Uh, but yeah, no, Shane Baz is another, you know, top prospect, uh, definitely going to be a solid major leaguer going forward. Um, and has looked very solid so far in his first five starts this season. For sure. Yeah. Um, uh, definitely keep an eye out what we we're, we're going to love to hear what you guys think about, you know, the futures game and the performances and who you're excited about and what you like to see out there. Um, you know, make sure to chime in, let us know. And, uh, we'll definitely, uh, spend a little bit more time, uh, in the aftermath of the game talking about, uh, um, what we look forward to seeing, you know, down the road in the MLB, you know, it's an exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. It's an exciting time. Lots of, you know, uh, generational talent coming up through the league right now. Uh, and something that, uh, you know, it will be a lot of fun to watch going forward. Uh, excited for both the All-Star game and uh, the Futures game here. For sure. Well, like I said, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see the Anthony Volpes and the Francisco Alvarez's, uh, but, uh, you know, so many other names uh, in that game on that roster to pay attention to. Uh, those guys will get their coverage. Uh, but uh, another great episode. We, uh, yeah, we had yeah. fun on this one, Lefty. Yeah, so we agree, right? Renard is uh, underrated. Uh, Gaetti is maybe a little underrated, but more underappreciated. More underappreciated, I think. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and we'll be we'll be back again next week. Um, you can find us on Twitter at underratedpod. That's under underscore rated underscore pod. Um, and wherever podcasts can be found. Until next time.